Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. How we doing? I'm clapping for myself. Man, it's so good to see you guys. My name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just super pumped to be kicking off this all-new series. So we're calling this Yoked, and it's all about building stronger relationships. How many like to get yoked? Some of you like to get yoked in the gym. Uh, This is obviously a little play on words, and uh, what we really want to do in this series is help all of us build all of our relationships stronger. And so I think we've done these series in the past, and they've been a little more focused on marriage or dating, um, being single, but we really wanted to focus this time around on all your relationships, on your friendships, um, your relationship with your coworkers, your marriage, whether you're dating or single, um, all of the relationships, we wanted to focus on these, key in on these, and uh, really help us grow, to grow stronger, because I believe God wants us to have healthy, strong relationships. And so what we're going to do in this series is, uh, here's a little breakdown. With our team, we have a preaching team that we rotate, and uh, we put together, like, we had, like, 50 attributes that we thought would help build stronger relationships. Then we whittled it down to 20, and then we whittled it down to 8. So these are the 8 attributes that we believe, the best 8, that will help you to build stronger relationships. And so today, week 1 is the foundation. I'm kicking it off talking about service and humility. But next week, you need to come back, and my mom and my dad, who have been married for 39 years, are going to be tag team preaching, and they're going to be talking about perseverance and resilience. And then week three, we're going to talk about intimacy and trust. Week four, communication and understanding. So listen, the best thing I can tell you is to come back for this whole series because I believe you're going to leave this series, these four weeks, feeling stronger, more equipped, more prepared to have healthy, strong relationships in your life. And God wants us to have healthy, strong relationships. So my, my wife is one of those hardcore 5.30 a.m. gym people. Where are you people at? You psychos. You just love to go to the gym, like, first thing in the morning. Like, that's not me. In fact, I saw in the Bible, in Genesis, that Adam walked with God in the cool of the evening. So that's how I get down. That's when I spend time with Jesus. That's when I work out. Some of you feel me, right? You're evening people. Um, and so it's biblical. Come on. And, and so my wife, she goes early. I go later. So we don't ever work out together. But Fridays are our day off. And so Fridays on our day off, we always go together. And uh, my wife doesn't like it, though, because we go about 9 a.m.-ish, and the gym is empty. And since the gym is empty, Caleb just goes like, I don't know what level I go to, but it's next level. And essentially, I turn the entire gym into my dance studio, and uh, I'm just acting the fool, and I'm heck of white. So, like, my dance moves are distracting my wife, right? Um, she's Filipino. She can dance. She got rhythm. She got, does the moonwalk, all that stuff. I dance, and she just laughs. Um, then she'll be doing workouts and I'll just touch her. I'll just walk up and touch her randomly. She gets super mad. Um, or I'll walk up behind her, do something inappropriate like a good husband would. And, uh, sorry, that's not spiritual, but it is true. And, and so man, the the gym just becomes a, a wild place and my wife gets mad because she takes it serious. And how many of you know, if you're going to build muscles, if you're going to get stronger, you got to take it serious, don't you? 
Like, you can't just be having a dance party. You can't be goofing around. You can't be, like, you got to take it serious. And in the same way, in our relationships, if they're going to be healthy and strong, if we're going to build them, at some point we got to take it serious. And we got to dig in and we got to help these things grow in a healthy way. We always say that marriage is a garden. And how many know that a garden, it doesn't take care of itself? Like, you can't just plant things and go, cool, the garden will be perfect. No, it takes constant work, effort, tilling, watering, pulling weeds. I mean, that's what relationships are. It takes work. And so what we're going to do in this series, we're going to dig in. We're going to do some hard work. But today, I want to start with what I believe is the foundation. And that's being a person that serves and a person that's humble. Are you guys ready? Well, before we go in in your Bibles, go to John chapter 13. I'm going to be reading verse 1 through 17, so I'm reading a little bit today. Stick with me. Um, We're talking about relationships, so I I have to acknowledge two of my old friends are here. So Mike and Krista Blaine, can you guys wave at everybody over here? So Mike and Krista, they first knew me when I was 21 years old, straight out of Bible college. We were youth leaders at a church together in Missouri where they still live, and so they're visiting California on their anniversary trip, and they popped into church. So come on, show them some love. We haven't seen each other in a while, but you guys look great. At least it's kind of dark, but you look great from my perspective. So let's jump in here. John chapter 13, verse 1 through 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that this hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them. And the towel that was wrapped around him, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash. So Peter's like, if you're going to do my feet, give me a bath. (laughs) And Jesus is like, "Uh, no. He's completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray. Jesus, speak to us today. Speak through me, a broken, impure vessel. But I pray that you would give me the ability to share what you want us to hear today. And may we leave here different than when we came in. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So, the main thing I want you to hear today is this. People who serve in their relationships are people who are blessed in their relationships. 
So I don't know if you saw the last verse I read there, if you were paying attention. Verse 17, throw it on the screen for us. It says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you what? Do them. You see, there's a big difference between knowing something and doing something. And I think in the church, we actually have a, a reputation for talking the talk, but we don't walk the walk. We have a reputation for saying we love people, but then our actions don't show we love people. We have a reputation for saying we're here to serve, but then our action, actions don't actually serve. And so I love what Jesus is saying here. What he says is, look, if you do these things, if you're a servant, if you serve others, and, and he was washing their feet as an example. He wasn't saying, okay, now you need to go around like wash everyone's feet. No, he's like, this is an example for you that you should do the same. You should serve everyone. You shouldn't be prideful. You shouldn't think you're better than other people. No, you should be a person that serves. He says, if you serve, what are you going to be? Blessed. If you serve, what are you going to be? Blessed. If you serve, you're going to be blessed. It's that simple. And yet, I, here's what I see in life. Like, so many people are walking through life, and they're depressed, and they're discouraged, and, and they have no purpose, and they don't know, what, you know, why they're unhappy all the time. And then you look at their life, and you say, all they care about is themselves. And they're so... Per, you know, they're so perplexed as to why they can't find any fulfillment and why they feel empty and why they're so unhappy. And I can tell you, it's really simple. If we're only about us, we'll never be fulfilled. But if we live a life for others, looking at others, serving others, putting others before ourselves, saying, God, you sent me as a messenger here to love people and to serve people, let me tell you, you will be fulfilled, you will have joy, you won't be happy every moment of your life, but overall you will have purpose. And that's why this is so important today. Serving so today I'm talking about being, about being a person that serves and about being humble. So let's jump in here. I want to talk to you about reasons to serve in our relationships. Because like I said, this is all relationships. This isn't just for marriage. This isn't just if you're dating. This is all of our relationships. Number one, we serve because it teaches us to love. You know that serving actually produces love in our hearts. Every morning I wake up, I do not always feel love for my wife. I just got to be honest with you. And you're like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Like, yeah. There's moments I wake up, and maybe the night before we didn't get along, or, you know, it's that one week of the month, and, and, and it's been a rough week. And, and I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That's of, that's of the flesh, not the spirit. Okay, God, come back. And, uh, and, and I don't always feel love for my wife. That's just the facts. And I'll, if she was honest, she'd say, I don't always feel love for you either in certain situations, certain moments, certain conversations we're having. But one thing we've decided is that we will continue to serve one another. And when we serve, suddenly as I'm serving her, there's this change in my heart and my spirit and the love starts to come back. In the same way, I walk in here on Sunday mornings, and this morning, my wife left me because she was leading worship, so I had to get all three kids ready um, by myself. Come on, somebody. That's difficult. Um, they're little. And, uh, and, and when we got here, like the second we walked in the door, one of them stabbed the other one in the face with a pencil. He had a pencil. I don't know what he was doing. Stabbed the other one in the face. They're crying. They're yelling at each other. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I don't feel like worshiping. 
right? I walk into worship. But I get in here, and I start to lift my hands, and I start to sing songs, and guess what happens? Suddenly, there's this love and this passion that begins to raise up in me, and now I'm doing it, and I mean it. And some of you say, you're, well, you're being fake. No, I call it being faithful. What the world says is fake, I believe, is just us as people of God saying, no, I'm going to be faithful. That I don't always feel it, but I still do it. I don't always feel like worshiping God. I always feel like going to church, but I do it because I'm faithful. I'm faithful to what God has called me. The worst advice that this world gives us is do whatever makes you happy. That is the worst advice you could ever get. Because what makes you happy in a moment will lead to your destruction in the long time often. But what faithfulness says is I'm going to do what's right, not necessarily what in that moment might make me happy. And when we do what's right, guess what? You'll be blessed. We serve because it teaches us to love. As you begin to serve the people around you, there's a love that begins to rise up in your heart for them. You may not feel it at first. Like, I know y'all got some coworkers that are not very lovely, right? And you are not feeling it when it, says, when it comes to serving them. But before you know it, you start doing it. You know what? I'm just going to bring them a Starbucks just because. They're the most difficult person. They're so rude to me. They talk down to me. They treat me like... I shouldn't be treated, but you know what? I'm going to serve them. And watch what begins to shift in your heart. And as your heart shifts and your actions shift, something will probably start to shift in them too. We serve because it teaches us to love. So what happens here? Peter, he's, he's confused. He's like, Jesus, you're going to wash my feet? And then he says, no. He says, no, I don't want you to. Do not wash my feet. He says, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus says, yeah, what I'm doing you don't understand, but I'm about to do it. Peter says, you shall never wash my feet. Here's what I want to say to you. The world will be skeptical of us when we serve them. Your coworkers will be skeptical of you when you serve them. Because they're going to go, why are you trying to do, what are you trying to, like, what's, what's the angle here? Like, what are you trying to accomplish here? And in, in our culture, it's like, no, I... I steamroll everyone so I can get ahead. That's what we try to do in this world. I push people aside. I step on them. I step over them. I do whatever I can to get ahead, to get mine. But as followers of Christ, we serve, and it looks different. And the world is going to be skeptical, and they're not going to understand it. But we do it because we know that God has called us to serve and to love. So there are some wrong motivations for service. Did you know that? Like, I've served out of a wrong heart at times. And here's a few. First, the need to soothe feelings of guilt. Some of us serve because we feel guilty. I want to tell you, until you get to know a God that loves you and is pleased with you as you are, he doesn't expect you to be perfect. In fact, he came because you weren't. He said, I'll take it on me. Until you begin to understand that, you may keep walking in guilt and serving, saying, oh, I just got to earn God's love. The Bible tells us you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But it gives it anyways. It's an overflow of what's in your heart for God. The second wrong motivation is a desire to earn God's favor. We think if I do this, then God will bless me. If I do this, then my bank account will grow. If I do this, then then my kids will be the most well-behaved kids ever. If I do this, right, like I won't have any problems anymore. We don't do it to earn God's favor. We do it not for, we do it because. We don't do it. We don't do it so we get something. We do it because of what God already did for us. Not 
Not so, because. It's not so we can get something from God. It's because he already did it all for us. He already paid the price. He already laid down his life. He's already given you the greatest blessing you could ever have, which is life and life eternal, the Bible says. That's it. Third wrong motivation is the need to be praised by others. And I got to be honest, this is my Achilles heel. Like, I love the adoration of man. I love, since I was a kid, like, I loved being on the stage in the spotlight up front. It's not surprising to my parents that I'm here, like, doing this, that this is my job. Um, why? Because, because I loved that when I was younger. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that that's a vice in my life. And I have to be very careful that every Sunday I come up here, I say, God, this is not about me. God, this is not about me. God, let them see you. Let them hear you. It's not Caleb. It's you. I have to tell myself that constantly. Why? Because I know, like, I love man's praise. I love man's adoration. I love to hear, oh, wow, you're so amazing. You do this well. You're gifted. You're talented. I love that. But that's not why I serve. I serve because, number one, God has called me to serve. And number two, because he's called me to love. I do it for him. It's for him. Now, God is going to use the passions in you. He's going to use your unique giftings. Uh, He's going to use all the things and how he designed you. But he's going to use it in a way that honors him and points other people to him. Love for others has to start with a love for God. Like, I cannot love my wife well until I learn to receive and give love to God. I have to receive the love of God. I have to learn to receive his love. And I have to give him up. Then I can love her better. It starts and ends with a love for God. When we discover God's love for us, that God is pleased with us, that God looks upon us and is blessed by us, then we can begin to love others better. Because it's not about us. It's about him. And one of the most important commands it says is love one another. You see, it has to start here in the church. We don't talk about this probably enough. Like we're all about like go love people that are far from God. Love your neighbors. Love your coworkers. But you know what the Bible says? It says that you got to start by loving one another. Loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. John 13, 34 through 35 says, A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you also must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Most of us in here are from dysfunctional families. And some of you got more dysfunction than others, you know what I'm saying. But man, I want the church to be the most healthy place. I want people to walk in here on a Sunday and go to small groups during the week and go, man, these people genuinely care for each other. They genuinely love one one another. They genuinely serve each other, lift each other's burdens, have each other's back, go the extra mile for one another. That's what the church has to be because this has to be an example to the world that something is different, that God has changed us. He's changed our minds, changed our hearts, changed our attitudes. Changed our selfishness. We're not about ourselves. We're about the people around us. It has to start here, church. So can we love one another well? Even when people aren't dressed the way we think they should be dressed? Or didn't, weren't at the right place last night we thought they should have been at? Or don't have the background that we think they should have had? Or don't have the education level? Can we still love one another? Maybe they, they don't think the way we think about the word of God, but we still love them? Can, can we do that? Because God has us all on a journey. We're all in different places. 
That's why we say all the time, look, we're not about behavior modification here. At Project Church, we're about heart transformation. God changes people's behaviors. Uh, that's his job. Our job is to point people to him and say, God, touch their heart and let him change behaviors. But the church, for too long, we try to change people's behavior, and we think that's godly. That's not our job. That's his job. You know, I, I believe in the law of attraction, seriously. And I heard another pastor talking about this this last week. I, I, I really believe that you attract not what you want, but who you are. You attract not what you want, but who you are. So whatever you give out, you'll get back. And so I have dudes come to me like husbands and like, man, my wife, she, she's not submitting biblically. You know, like I read it. She's supposed to submit. And she's not doing it. I need a submissive wife to serve me, bro. Like, how'd you get your wife to do that? And I'm like, yes, she, she is very well trained. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> Joking. Calm down. Okay. No, here's what I say. Here's what I say. I say, you, you want your wife to serve and, and to submit? First of all, you need to understand what that means biblically, but we'll talk about that later. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to serve her. Because there's a law of attraction here, right? Like, whatever, whoever you are, whatever you do, whatever you put out is going to come back. And so my wife is, she is a servant. Like, she serves me way more than I serve her. But I want to tell you that because she serves so much, it makes me want to serve more. And she's actually set an example for me of what serving in marriage looks like. And I'm thankful for that because the more she serves, the more I want to serve. And I would say, I, I've, I've become a lot better, haven't I, babe, over the years. Like, I serve more now than ever before. But you want to know why? Because she did it first. She set the example. And so if you're out there, you're going, yeah, my wife, she's, just, she's not doing what I need her to do. Let me tell you something. Serve her. You serve her, I guarantee you, she'll begin to serve you back. And some of you single people are out there and you're like, dang, you know what I want? I want a passionate woman. I just want, ooh, I, I need a passionate woman. That's why I need a passionate girl. Let me tell you something. If you're the most apathetic dude out there, you probably ain't going to get a passionate woman. So let's be real. The law of attraction, whoever you are is what you'll get, is what will come back. So you want something, you got to be that. You want someone that serves, you got to be a servant. Let's keep going. Number two, we serve. Because it builds humility. It builds humility in us. Jesus, the king of the universe, the word, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, he was with God in the beginning. Jesus, there from the beginning, spoke life into the universe, created all that's around us. He's put breath in your lungs. He is the word, and you know what he did? He humbled himself and became a baby, getting his butt wiped. He, can you imagine that? The all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful God humbling himself and becoming a baby that's reliant on a parent for everything. And then he grew and he became a man. And then in this moment, he humbles himself to a servant. Now let me explain this. Because some of you maybe don't get what was happening here and you're like, cool, he like washed their feet, like that's cool. Like, yeah, that's kind of nice. But you got to understand, in this day, they walked around in them Tevas, y'all, Birkenstocks, the Burks. They were in them Air Jesus Ones, all right, just living life. The roads were dirty and dusty, and they'd be walking up and down. They walked everywhere, and their feet would get sweaty and dirty and nasty, and the sweat would turn into mud, and they'd walk into a home for a meal. 
Now, in this day, they didn't have tables and chairs like we did, even though sometimes you see paintings that portray it that way. No, this is how they ate. There would be a table like this low, and they had pillows all around the table, and they would recline on the pillows on one arm, and they would eat like this. So I'm here, and my homie is right here with my nasty old dirty, smelly, sweaty feet all up in his mug. He's trying to eat a meal. That would be messed up, not an enjoyable experience. And so what would happen, they would come into a home, and when they came in, the servants would wash all of their feet. That way, as they sat there and reclined, and homeboy is right here next to my toes, like it was enjoyable. It smelled good. And so the servants would wash all of the people's feet when they came into a home to eat. And they come into this home and Jesus says, I'm going to wash your feet. But not just one of your feet. As an example, I'm going to wash them all. I'm going to wash all 12 of the disciples' feet. And he went down the row one by one and washed all of their feet. Now, I want you to understand this because we need to remember that the disciples at this moment were not an easy bunch to love. Because sometimes we think, yeah, I could do that. Like, I got some really close friends. And, and these were Jesus' closest friends, his closest people. But guess what? They also were hard to love at times. In fact, they were, right before this, they were arguing about which one of them was greatest in the kingdom of God. Not exactly a humble conversation. They're like, no, I am. No, I, I'm going to sit at the right hand of Jesus. No, I'm going to sit at the left hand. They're arguing, which one of us is greatest? And then Jesus says, I'm going to humble myself and serve you even though you're prideful. One of them would betray him. He even said that. I don't know if you're paying attention when I read, but he talks about one of you isn't clean. He was talking about the heart of Judas. And yet he washes his feet. This is an example for us because I think in today's culture we're like, cut off everything that's toxic. Any toxic people, cut them out of your life. But maybe God has you in, your, in their life for a reason. Maybe you are the only healthy thing and God is asking you to pour into them. I'm not saying you don't cut people off. I'm not saying that there's not a time for that. I'm not saying that God might not put that in your heart and it might not be the right thing to do. But what I am saying is possibly you need to at least think about and pray about God. Maybe even though they're not healthy, you want me in their life because I am. And I'm going to pour health into them. Maybe. One of them would deny him. Peter. He says, I won't deny you, Jesus. He says, yes, you will. He says, no, never. I would never do that. Guess what happens? He denies him. And then finally, on, their, on Jesus' greatest moment of need, they all abandon him. They desert him. Jesus is going to the cross. And the disciples run for their lives. Why? Because they're thinking about themselves. If he's going to die, we don't want to die. If he's going to the cross, we don't want to go to the cross. And so they scatter, they disperse, they run, they abandon him. In his greatest time of need. You see, people won't always make it easy to serve them, will they? Like, let's be real. I know a lot of unlovely people. A lot of difficult people. A lot of people that test my patience. And take a lot of, of God in me. Holy Spirit, lead me. I, I sing that song. Spirit, lead me. I'm walking out on the waters because I don't like this person, right? 
I, I got a lot of those people in my life, and yet I still have a heart and a call and, and a responsibility that I, would, that I would love. We serve because it builds humility. It's not easy to be humble. It's not easy to humble ourselves. But when we humble ourselves, the Bible says we'll be exalted. Jesus was focused on the needs of others first. That's why he washed their feet. So I want to ask you a question. Do you ever put other people's needs before your own? I want you to let that marinate and resonate in your heart and your spirit. Because we live in a culture that is all about me and my, what I need, what I want, my advancement, my success. And yet God is looking for a people that will serve others first. In verse 8. We see that, that Peter actually says, no, Jesus, you will not wash my feet. And I was, uh, as I was reading this, God spoke to me and took me back to when I was young in, in church ministry. I was a, a new youth pastor, you know, straight out of college. And then I, I became a youth pastor on the East Coast for a few years. And I would say I struggled with this up until I was about 30 years old. But people would come to me and they would want to serve me. And they say, Caleb, I want to help you with that. Or Caleb, I want to give you this. Every once in a while, I got one of them Holy Ghost handshakes, we call them. Handshake, $50 up in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are cool. And uh, that would happen to me because I was young, single, poor, you know, like. Um, and, and so people would bless me, give to me, help me. And I couldn't receive it. You want to know why? Because I'm like, no, no, no. I'm spiritual. I serve. I don't get served. Like, I serve people. I don't receive service. There's other people out there, like, they're less spiritual than me. You should go, you should go serve them because they really need it. I don't need it. So don't serve me. And so for, I would say, like, five, seven, nine, ten years, I struggled receiving any blessing from someone else. But then God began to work on me, and he said, Caleb, that is your pride, you are prideful. You think you are too spiritual and too holy to be served. And I had twisted this whole idea of servanthood until where I'm the servant, I'm the martyr, I suffer, I work, but no one can do anything for me. And you know what I realized I was doing? I was actually robbing those people of their blessing. Because when someone would serve me, you know what happens? I get blessed, but they often get more blessed. And so when I would deny that, I mean, literally people would try to give me money. I'd say, no. They'd say, let me help you. No. Let me come alongside you. No. I don't, I don't need it. No. Serve someone else. You know what I was actually doing? I'm denying them of their blessing. And so now, when someone comes to me and says, splash zone, and says, Caleb, I have this for you. I want to bless you. I want to pay for your meal. I want to do this. You know what I say? Thank you. That's it. I say, thank you. That's amazing. Thank you. And, I, and I'll often say, I will not rob you of your blessing. I say that at the end because I think that's cute. And, uh, and so I'll say that then. I was like, I don't want to rob you of your blessing. So, yeah, I'll receive it. A couple years back, I really wanted the Star Wars Blu-ray, like all the discs in one pack. And my wife wouldn't buy it for me. Uh, and, and so I, I talked about I preached about it in a sermon. How she wouldn't buy it for me. The next week, somebody bought it for me. They gave it to me. I said, thank you. I will not rob you of your blessing. So now, if you know, if I ever preach about something I need, you know what I'm trying to do, all right? You'll see right through it. I just outed myself. 
But man, I, I want to be in the minority. Because the majority is overrated. How many know that? I want to be in the minority. You know who, who the minority is? Humble people. You know who the minority is? People who put others before themselves. You know who the mi uh, minority is? People who serve. The majority are prideful. The majority are focused on themselves. The majority put themselves first. But in the minority, man, we serve. We're humble. We put others first. I want to be in the minority. And God is calling us as the church to be the minority in this culture. Third and finally, we serve because Jesus first served us. I love what happens here. I love what happens here. The end of this, this passage and throughout this passage... I think that Jesus saw them. And in chapter 13, when we started, the first verse, can you throw up verse number one for me? It says, you know, before the fast of the Passover, Jesus knew that he had come, his hour had come. He's about to, to depart. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them, what? To the end. He loved them to the end. He loved Judas to the end. He loved Peter to the end. He loved James, John, Andrew. He loved them all to the end. And I know that loving people is not easy. I know that serving people is not easy. It's not easy to serve our spouse. It's not easy to serve our coworkers. It's not easy to serve our neighbors. It's not easy to serve our friends. But we serve, why? Because Jesus first served us. You know what I saw here? As I was reading it this week, I'm like, man, Jesus saw their dirty feet, and so he washed them. But you know what else had happened? Jesus saw our dirty hearts, and so he came from heaven to earth. This is the gospel. This is the good news that none of us deserve it that we're broken, we're sinful, every one of us. Listen, I'm a sinner just like all of you. And yet Jesus came because he saw our dirty hearts and he said, someone has to save them. And I'm coming. And he came and he went to that cross and he paid the price so that we could be free. So that we could be set free. John 13, 17. Blessed are you if you do these things. If you do them. If you know these things and you do them. God is looking for a humble people, a people with a heart of servanthood that will go out from this room and will love the unlovely, will serve those that no one else would serve, will go the extra mile, will put others before ourselves. Why? Because he did it first. And for most people in this world, you're the only Bible they'll ever read. For most people in this world, you're the only Jesus they'll ever know. So how you live matters. See, I think we, we've done a disservice in the church that we've said, like, this is holy. What, what I'm doing, like preaching the gospel and the good news from a, from a stage at a church service, this is holy. And then, like, go do your thing at work. No, what you do every day, Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, is just as holy as what I'm doing right here. If not more holy. Because every day... You have interactions with people that are desperate and are searching and are lost and are hurting and are broken and are prideful and are selfish and they don't know why they're unfulfilled and we have the answer. And all it takes is us to serve, I believe. 
because serving sets us apart. It points, and we say it's not about me, it's about something else, it's about him. So I'm gonna invite our sound guy, Chase, up here. Chase, would you come up here? So I don't know, some of you know Chase, don't clap for him yet, hold on. Haven't even said anything about him. Some of you may know him, probably most of you don't. But Chase, he shows up here every morning at 5.45 a.m. to set up our sound stuff so that you have sound and we have amplification. Chase, would you sit? Take your shoes off, bro. He shows up every morning. He has four kids, 13 and under, right? I think I'm right. 14 and under. Micah's getting older. And uh, he has these four kids. He serves them. He serves his wife. And uh, he shows up, and often the only time people notice Chase is when they think it's too loud, which is often, right? Or when something messes up, the mic cuts out and everyone turns around and looks back like, who's doing this? But he serves behind the scenes. And I wanted to, as an example, serve him today and honor him. Because Chase, I wanted you to know, man, that we appreciate you. We appreciate everything you do. And I love you, bro. I love what your heart is, what you stand for. I know you're not perfect, just like I'm not perfect. And I know you have things to work on just like I do. But I wanted you to know that God is honored by you. He's blessed by you. And he sees your faithfulness. And I I believe that blessing has come and it's going to continue to come to you. And I wanted to, to wash Chase's feet as an example today. Not to say, oh, wow, Caleb's really humble. He's washing his feet. This is easy. This guy manicures his toes, so it's not even a big deal. I think he got a petty yesterday. But I wanted to do this because every day you have opportunities to serve. And I wanted this seared in your memory that when you go to work tomorrow, you see with different eyes. When you get home with your wife tonight and tomorrow, you see with different eyes that we're constantly looking for opportunities to serve. That we would find people, and and how many know feet are not lovely? Like chases aren't bad, but most feet, oh wait, wait, I gotta be like Jesus. It says he put the towel around his waist. So I wanna, I got the long tee and now the long towel, we're good. Does that look better? Do I look official? I want this in our memory today that we would say, man, every day I have an opportunity to serve. And it may not look like this. It probably won't look like this. Washing someone's feet, no. But maybe it's telling them that you like their outfit, that you see their haircut, that you appreciate how hard they've been working. Maybe it's telling your wife that she's a good mom and You appreciate everything she does around the house. You appreciate how well she loves you. Maybe it's telling your teacher what a great job they're doing. Or telling your friend that you're thankful that they're there for you in your life. I just want to challenge us today that we would serve because how many of you know We serve because Jesus first served us. We serve 
because we are blessed when we serve, but not only that, we're blessed to be a blessing to others. Now you can give some love to my friend Chase for all he does. Love you, man. So as we go out from this place, let's look for opportunities to serve. That's your homework. That every day you say, God, give me a chance. Maybe it's buying a Starbucks for the person in line behind you. God, give me a chance to serve someone, to serve someone in my life. But listen, there may be someone in this room. You came in here, you say, Caleb, I actually have been hearing all this stuff, but I don't even know Jesus. I've never given my life to Jesus. Or maybe you did at one time, but you say, I've ran from God. I tried to do it my way, in my strength. I put myself first. I was selfish, self-focused. But today, you want to surrender your heart to Jesus. A God that saw your dirty heart and came to earth to save you. The Bible says he came to give you life and life to the fullest. And it's simple. All you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. So if you're in this room and that's you, today's your day. Would you bow your heads with me across this room? We hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.